Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The oldest nearly complete Hebrew Bible is heading to the auction block. That's right, heading to the auction block. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at this matter of the Bible. Americans seem to be very fond of the Bible. They just don't actually read it. That's right. That's the result from the survey of LifeWay Research. Americans are fond of the Bible, but just don't read it. We're told all the time about how to study the Bible. We're told, going back years into my early days of childhood, read the Bible through it a year. Three chapters a day and five on Sunday, and you'll read the Bible through it a year. You'll put yourself to sleep. The problem is... The Bible never tells us to read it. It does tell us to study it and to meditate on it, believe it or not. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at this matter of the Bible. And uh, when we think about this, we need to think about uh, how Congress declared, I believe it was 1989, 1980. Oh, here it is right here. 1982. 1982, Congress declares Bible the Word of God. 1983, Congress declared to be the year of the Bible. It was almost as if it was a post-mortem for the Bible. In other words, Congress was realizing that Americans were losing interest in the Bible. It had been losing its uh, sway in American life, American politics, American thinking, American morals. And indeed, Congress itself took notice of this and declared 1983 the year of the Bible. From that time forward, we have seen almost nothing but deterioration in the reading of the Bible, in the, shall we say, the penetration of the Bible in the mind and heart of the people. As uh, the Barna Report said, A number of years ago, imagine a product owned by more than 90% of all households and three out of four homes containing at least one or more than one. They'd kill for a penetration level of this magnitude. Well, the Bible has it. But Tyndall House Publishers years ago published a commission or commissioned the Barna Research Group to study the role of the Bible in our country. Amazingly, the most frequently used version of the Bible remained then and still remains the King James Version. In fact, the King James Version is most commonly used version by a five-to-one margin over the nearest rival, the NIV. That was a few years ago. It is still the most frequently referred to and used version. May come as a shock to you, but that's true. Eight out of ten adults identified the Bible as the single most influential book in human history, but they just weren't reading it. Nearly half of all adults, 45%, claimed to know the basic teachings of Christianity very well. 41% said they knew those teachings fairly well. 42% claimed that while he was on the earth, Jesus committed sins, though. 
And 8% weren't even sure about that. Today, those numbers have increased because most people who read the Bible are not systematic in their uh, interaction with the Bible as the Word of God. They just randomly look at it and now are hardly reading it at all. So George Gallup stated back in 1997, one of the clear challenges facing churches is how to transform spirituality into faithful, committed witness that is biblically rooted. Americans revere the Bible, but do not read it, he said. We are a nation of biblical illiterates. That's what he said in 1997, which was four years after Time magazine declared that Americans were looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. So overcoming biblical illiteracy, according to George Gallup, back in 1997, was the number one challenge facing churches today. He said, we revere the Bible, but we don't read it. And he said, the Bible has not in any profound way penetrated our culture. Friends, do you realize the significance of this? That was in 1997, four years after we launched Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour. Do you think we're in America's greatest crisis hour? You bet, friends. The word of God has lost its authority in the mind and the heart, not only of the country, but of professing Christians itself. And so, today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a deeper look, as they say, into this matter of uh, the Bible. We're going to take a look at a lot of different statistics, but we're also going to delve a little more deeply into the initial announcement that we made that the oldest nearly complete Hebrew Bible is heading to auction. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And the Bible is intended to transform. The purpose of the Bible is not to inform, but to transform. Yes, it is to inform to a point where it leads to transformation. But the end point and purpose of the Bible is not to inform us. It's not to inform us about a religion. It's not to inform us about uh, uh, all of the details that you can dredge out, the names and places and dates and so on, out of the Bible. That's fine if you want to know those things. But the reality is that they're there for a bigger purpose. They're there that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? Well, it might be important for us to spend more time in the Bible. So again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. The Codex Sassoon. A fellow by the name of Sassoon bought this uh, document, the Codex, the Bible, believed to date from the late 9th or early 10th century, is set to be sold by Sotheby's for an estimated 30 to $50 million dollars. 
I'm looking at it right now. Well, a picture of it, that is. It's considered the oldest nearly complete Hebrew Bible. One day, about a thousand years ago, a scribe in present-day Israel or Syria sat down to work, begin work, that is, on a book. He copied out on roughly 400 large parchment sheets, and it contained the complete text of the Hebrew Bible, written in square letters similar to those of the Torah scrolls in any synagogue today. And after changing hands a few times, it ended up in a synagogue in northeast Syria, which was destroyed around 13th or 14th century, and then it disappeared for almost 600 years. Well, since then, we're going to take a look at what's happened to it and where it's going next in May. We'll be right back, friends. And how about the Bible that the rest of us have? What are we doing with that, and how much is it worth to you? We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. For many, the moral stature of our country, as well as political realities, are determined based upon the Bible and Bible engagement. Back in 2016, about 77% believed the values and morals of America were declining. And when asked what was to blame for that decline, one-third of Americans attributed that shift to the lack of Bible reading. I would attribute it to the lack of Bible study and meditation because the Bible never commands us to read it. We are commanded to study it and to meditate on it. We'll talk more about that later. Nearly six out of 10 adults, 56%, believe the Bible in 2016 had too little influence in American society. And that was more than four times the percentage of people who thought the Bible had too much influence, which was 13%. But where do we stand now? We're going to be taking a look at where we stand now uh, in just a few minutes. But we return to the story about the oldest nearly complete Hebrew Bible called the Codex Sassoon. We know that about a thousand years ago, a scribe began to put this together. It changed hands a few times. Then it disappeared for about 600 years. Then, since resurfacing in 1929 during the Great Depression, the Bible has been in private collections. But one afternoon last week, there it was sitting in a cradle at Sotheby's in Manhattan, where Sharon Lieberman Mintz, the auction house's senior Judaica uh, consultant, was turning the rippled pages with a mixture of familiarity and awe. She pointed out the two versions of the Ten Commandments, a beautifully calligraphic uh, rendering of the Song of Deborah, and more prosaically, places where small tears even had been stitched together with thread or sinew. It's electrifying, she said. This represents the first time the text appears in the form where we can really read and understand it. 
Well, the Codex Sassoon, as it's known, is being billed by Sotheby's as the earliest example of a nearly complete codex containing all 24 books of the Hebrew Bible. It's missing about five leaves, including the first 10 chapters of Genesis, which are 10 of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. They set the foundation for everything else. Fascinating that they would be missing. But it's set to be auctioned in May. The book carries an estimate of 30 to $50 million, which could make it the most expensive book or historical document ever sold. Fascinating information, but what does it mean? Americans don't value the Bible, obviously. And it doesn't matter how much you paid for it. How much you paid for it doesn't determine its value. Its value is determined by how you view it, how much time you spend with it and in it. It's interesting that after 1983, it was declared the year of the Bible, a vision was gathered together to create a museum in our nation's capital. It's called the Museum of the Bible. 430 square foot museum. Now, the problem with it is not that it's a museum and not that it's a Bible or about the Bible. The problem is that we have felt it necessary to create a museum for the Bible because Americans were no longer interested in it in their real life. So it was relegated to a museum. Now, you might think, well, that's not a very nice thing to say. It may not appear very nice, but it is true. There's nothing wrong with the museum. I'm grateful to the Hobby Lobby family for putting up the resources necessary and the effort necessary to put that Bible museum together in our nation's capital. But friends, it's what it reflects. It doesn't reflect the value we put in the Bible. It just reflects the value we did used to put in the Bible. That's where the problem is. And so today we take a further look at this matter of what do we look What value do we really put in the Bible? So let me ask you, what value do you actually put in the Bible? Would the value that we put in the Bible be reflected in the sales statistics? Well, maybe somewhat. But if if you're selling or buying millions of Bibles every year, and the statistics are revealing that they're not being read or studied or meditated upon or obeyed, then why are we buying them? For what purpose are we buying them? Is it a symbol? Has the Bible just become a symbol of something that we purport to believe but don't really believe and apply in our lives? On average, there are 100 million Bibles printed every year. It's projected that there are more than 6 billion Bibles currently in print, 140% more than the estimated 2.5 billion copies in print as of 1975. 
So if you look at the number of Bibles in print, then you would get one impression, and that is, wow, people are really valuing the Bible, and it's being bought, it's being sold, it's being printed. Wow, this is great. Well, it's only great if the Bible is being used for the purpose that it's being intended to be used, right? The number of Bibles sold on average has more than doubled in the United States since 1950. 20 million Bibles sold every year, approximately. 38 Bibles sold per minute. 6.5 Bibles sold every 10 seconds. So, when this report was done, Bible sales revenue per year was approximately $430 million. That was as of 2020. Zondervan, publisher, lists nearly 400 versions of the Bible as being in print and for sale. Astounding. A lot of confusion then. 400 versions in print? Why? A study revealed that only 9% of Christian millennials, that is those ranging from about, uh, uh, say, 25 to 40 years of age, read the Bible daily. Only 9%. Christian millennials in the United Kingdom, 51% engage in the Bible a few times a year or less. Only 9% read the Bible every day. And a mere 13% look at the scriptures a few times a week. In Canada, a recent study shows alarming statistics about Bible engagement in Canada. In fact, the findings hit social media with a shocking but befitting hashtag. Here's what the hashtag was. Hashtag done with the Bible. The studies... The studies show that most Canadians admit they don't regularly read and are not even interested in reading the Bible. In fact, weekly Bible reading among Canadians has declined by 60% since my wife and I were married in 1966. A mere 14% claim they actually read the Bible at least once a month. And so scriptural engagement is in steep, steep decline in Canada. Canada is likely a leading indicator of where spirituality in the U.S. is headed. The American Bible Society, a survey. This came out with the ChristianPost.com. There's been an unprecedented drop in the number of Bible users in the United States since last year. According to a report released by the American Bible Society, The 2022 State of the Bible Report, released Wednesday of this week, based its findings on responses collected from a survey of 2,600 U.S. adults conducted in January. The 12th Annual Report asked Americans a variety of questions about their Bible use and their thoughts on its role. After reaching a high of 53% in 2014, 
The share of Bible users among the U.S. adult population consistently remained between 48 and 50 percent until last year when 50 percent of Americans were Bible users. However, in 2022, Bible users in the U.S. accounted for just 39% of the adult population, the lowest in more than a decade. That's an 11% drop. Unprecedented drop in the percentage of Bible users in the United States. So when applied to the U.S. population as a whole, the figures suggest that the number of Bible users in the U.S. dropped from 128 million in 2021 to 103 million in 2022. The group labeled Bible users consisted of Americans who read the Bible outside of church as infrequently as three to four times a year to those who use the Bible daily. 10% of U.S. adults use the Bible daily, while 4% use it four to six times a week. 7% consult it two to three times a week, 5% read the Bible once a week, and 7% read it once a month. More than 60% or half, 60% of Americans use the Bible less to four times a year. 60%. never read the Bible on their own, ever while 12% read it less than once a year, and 8% look at it once or twice a year. Do you have any idea what the significance of these numbers are with the statistics that we see reported to us on radio and television, the murders, the fraud, the violence, the abortions, the sexual perversion, all of those statistics, friends, including fatherlessness, including divorce, including adultery, including fornication, including lying, all of those statistics, all of those behaviors are the direct result of our failure to submit to the authority of the Word of God. After all, it's not called the Bible, it's called the Word of God. Right? So, if we're not reading the Bible, then what authority does it have in our lives? If we're not reading the Bible, then what authority does it have in our lives? Well, let's take a look at uh, perhaps some ways of answering that question. This is from uh, Gallup, New Gallup poll. Fewer in U.S. now see the Bible as the literal word of God. A record low 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God, down from 24% the last time the question was asked in 2017. And half of what it was at at the high points in uh, 1980 and 84. Meanwhile, a new high of 29% say the Bible is a collection of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man. This marks the first time significantly more Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal word of God. This is the Gallup poll. 
standard poll in America for two generations. Gallup has been asking Americans specifically about their views on literal interpretation of the Bible since 1976, our nation's bicentennial. The shift in attitudes about the Bible is not an isolated phenomenon, it says. It's come even as a number of indicators show a decline in overall religiosity in the U.S. adult population. Gallup's biblical literacy question is asked of the entire U.S. adult population. And that includes people who identify with other religions outside the uh, Christian tradition. That would be about 9% of adult Americans. Uh, The sample includes those who do not have any specific religious identity. 25% say it should be interpreted, that is, the Bible should be interpreted literally. And 16% say it is an ancient book of fables. Hmm. What authority does the Bible have in your life? Be very careful when you respond to that in your mind. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. It's always a delight to be able to join you here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter most. The things that matter most are not necessarily what Fox News is talking about or MSNBC or the New York Times or any other favorite news source. I'm not saying those things aren't important at all, but they're not the most important things. The most important things are those that God thinks are the most important things. And those are the kinds of things that we try to focus on here on Viewpoint because Viewpoint always determines destiny. I'm not talking about this program. I'm talking about our viewpoints. Your viewpoint is not neutral on anything. Our viewpoints on every single issue of life are determining destiny in one way or another. And that's why it's so important. And I really feel that God inspired us to use to select the term viewpoint as the title for this program because it has such tremendous import. It's not my viewpoint that counts, friends. The viewpoint that counts is God's viewpoint. If you hear a viewpoint coming from this broadcaster here, yours truly, that isn't consistent with the word of God, you should disregard it. I I do mean that. What we attempt to do here on this program, though, is to communicate the Word of God in such a way that it has authority in our lives, that it takes root in such a way that the uh, the storms of life 
and the winds and the the excruciating heat that comes from the pressures of our time do not destroy the seed. And if we're not deeply rooted and grounded in the word of God and its authority, you will not endure in the evil day. And we're in the evil day. And it's going to get more evil with every week that passes. I, the, the things that are coming across my broadcast desk are so immense now, so voluminous, that I could spend three or four hours a day talking about these various issues. We don't have that kind of time. So we have to be careful and distill the issues that matter most. And this report concerning the Bible, the Word of God, matters more than anything else right now. More than Russia, more than Ukraine, more than uh, the economy, more than uh, uh, Chinese balloons, it matters more than anything else. Because everything else depends upon it and our viewpoint concerning it. Later on in the program, I'm going to share with you a very positive thing that seems to be taking place at Asbury uh, University. But before we get there, I want to make available to you something that I think will help you to gather a Uh, to put the pieces together in a way that will help cement this in your mind and heart uh, concerning our country, concerning your involvement here in how to make a difference in our country. A number of years ago, I wrote a book called Renewing the Soul of America. It was endorsed by 28 national Christian leaders. You know why? because they perceived that this book alone gave proper focus to the real issues in our country and the real answers to the problems. It wasn't a finger-pointing book. It was a real book of legitimate and real answers and transformation. And that's why they endorsed it. The founder of Campus Crusade for Christ said, as a country and as individuals, we stand at a crossroads to continue on the path to godlessness or to return to the way of righteousness. Pat Robertson said, what will happen to America and to the world if the people of this generation rediscover our spiritual heritage and commit their lives and the life of this nation to it? Chuck Chrismeyer tells us in Renewing the Soul of America, what can be done if... If we have the courage to make the right decisions. Nancy Le DeMoss, now Nancy Le Wolgamuth, who has a, uh, a national radio ministry to women, says Chuck probes the heart and conscience of our nation with a rare combination of insight, directness, urgency, and compassion. This message desperately needs to be heard and heeded before it is too late. Those are just several of the 38 national Christian leaders concerning this book. You will be inspired by this book. 
the second third, or the, excuse me, the, the final third of the book is going to apply things in a way that is going to grip your heart. It is going to give you a new refreshment of vision and hope and purpose to help us to get a grip on where we are. And at the very root of it all is our view of the Bible. Our view of God's purposes as set forth in his word. In 1995, Shortly after we started this program, I interviewed Dr. Richard Halverson, who is the uh, a Presbyterian pastor and respected chaplain of the United States Senate for 14 years. He was a leader in the National Prayer Breakfast Movement. He crawled out of his deathbed, literally, to do his final interview in his life. And I want to share with you just a few statements that he made. Here was my question to him. Dr. Halverson, do you feel that the church is in the danger of forfeiting its soul today? Halverson responded, I do. So I asked, why is that? He said, well, I think the church is becoming more and more like the world around it. I responded, that's a pretty serious indictment. Halverson said, well, I think that the church has adopted the secular way, the secular spirit, secular methods, even the most evangelical tend to be very secular in their approach to life. Wow. What he was really saying is we have abandoned the authority of God and his word, even in our seemingly most evangelical churches. Now, Americans' interpretation of the Bible are important because the Bible is often used as the basis for policy positions on moral and values issues. Gallup's decision and data shows that the use of a literal interpretation of the Bible as the basis or justification for social policy positions will likely resonate only with a declining minority of the overall U.S. population Just as Dr. Halverson said, we are abandoning the authority of God and his word and becoming an increasingly secular people, even in God's own house. Now, I want to make the book available to you, Renewing the Soul of America. It is a $17 book. By today's standards, it would be $25, but it's not. It's a a $17 book when it came out, and it is yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I urge you to get a copy. If you have not read it, you need to read it. Believe me, it will open your eyes, but it will inspire your heart in these difficult times. It really will. It's on our website, saveus.org, Renewing the Soul of America. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or... Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. So I have a question for you. Remember, I asked you about the authority of God and his word in your life. So let me just share with you a couple of things. 
And this is just a couple of instances that help us to understand the glaring and dramatic effect of the walking away, running away from the authority of God and his word in our lives in the Western world. This headline, United Methodists lose 1,800 churches in a split over LGBT stance. What is that saying? That's saying that 1,800 churches at least now have left the United Methodist denomination because the denomination has left the authority of God and his word to embrace a secular uh, doctrine idea about receiving and promoting uh, sexual promiscuity in defiance of God as creator, defying God's creation order, calling that which God calls an abomination, calling it good and righteous and holy. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? The United Methodist Church. The Church of England now is considering changing the scriptures itself so that the Lord is no longer a he. They're wanting to put in our parent in heaven in place of God, in place of God the Father, our parent in heaven. Really? You know, we couldn't get this in American publications today, and we couldn't get it in uh, European publications, so we had to get it from the Russian Times. They're not putting up with this nonsense. They consider the word of God more authoritative than Americans do, than those in Western Europe do, so-called Christian Europe. That's not to raise up in any glorious way. Vladimir Putin or Russia, or they're all sinners too. But at least they're trying to hold some kind of a biblical standard, unlike Americans, unlike Western Europeans that are all a part of the resurrecting Roman Empire that will soon globalize and produce a counterfeit Christ to attack true Bible-believing Christians shortly. Are you beginning to get the significance of this? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
Today on Viewpoint, we're talking about the importance of the Bible, the role that the Bible is playing in American life, in the life of the Western world, so-called Christian Europe, and so on, in the life even of professing Christians. And the picture is far less than pretty. Far less than pretty. Maybe Dolly Parton was right in that song she just wrote. Don't make me come down here. Speaking of God, don't make me come down here. Because she herself sees the corruption. Hardly one to normally speak about things like that. But to write a song like that, if you have not read the words, oh my goodness, they're more powerful than the words you'll hear from most pulpits in America today. Don't make me come down here. In other words, I'm God. I gave you my word. And look what you're doing with it. Don't make me come down there. Bible readership in the U.S. from 2018 to 2021, a survey from 2021 found that 11% of Americans read the Bible daily. 11%. Trends in Bible reading habits over four years shows that the majority of Americans never read the Bible. But in 2021, the number dropped to 29%. 29%. Less than a third of Americans read the Bible. And when they talk about reading the Bible, that doesn't mean they're sitting down and reading it for, for all that it's worth. It just means that they're taking a look at some verse or a psalm or something a little gospel, so they can claim they read the Bible today. Or maybe they read some uh, uh, devotional, and they're calling that reading the Bible, which isn't reading the Bible, by the way, but some people think it is. There's been an unprecedented drop in Bible engagement among U.S. adults, said another article. The number of U.S. adults who read the Bible in 2022 experienced an unprecedented drop, according to the American Bible Society. We don't want to overindulge on statistics, but at least they're helping us realize this is not just coming from one or two sources. Christianity Today reported that 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible regularly during the COVID-19 issue. I would have thought that more people would have been reading the Bible because adversity turns people's hearts toward faith. But no, they were too engaged in fear. The Bible would have led them away from fear, but they didn't read the Bible. They didn't study the Bible that says fear not. They decided to see it here. Heed the government that told them to fear. You see how the government is shifting our trust from God to government? It's at every level, friends. And if you think it's happened in big ways so far, oh, what is coming down the pike in the very near future is nothing but mind, and it's mind-boggling. I just don't have the courage right now to share it with you because it wouldn't be productive. 
What I want to do is encourage all of us to be and become the people that God wants us to be so that we will be prepared in the evil day. And having done all to stand, to stand, having our loins girt about with truth. But if you don't believe that the Bible is true, if you believe it's a fable or you believe it's just a collection of what people have just made up, you're hopeless. You have no hope. You might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Because if in this life only you have hope, you're hopeless. You're of all men most miserable, the Apostle Paul wrote. Because the Bible alone tells us about the resurrection, that Jesus is the resurrection of the life. But all who would come to him and him alone, who is the living word of God, should not perish but have everlasting life. But then he left, he left us his word, and he said that he would send the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us so that we would, for one thing, remember what he said, apply what he said in spirit and in truth. So Jesus said the true worshipers in these end days will worship me in spirit and in truth. How can you worship God in truth if you don't believe that his word is true? You see how we play games with ourselves? We engage in massive Massive self-deception. And if you begin this trajectory of compromise that our whole country, the whole Western world has embraced now for the past uh, three or four decades, excuse me, generations, there's little more to reclaim. How are you going to reclaim all of that ground a believing and trusting that has been forfeited and given up to the enemy. How are you going to do that? The main thing right now you got to do is learn to hold your ground, to stand fast in the Lord and in the power of his might. But you can't do that if you're not deeply rooted and grounded in the word of God and in its authority. The issue is authority. People don't like the word authority because we're in a, a rebellious people, just like Israel was. Stiff-necked and rebellious people. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, including God. And so we carve exceptions out of his word, just as the church has done for the past 60 years concerning divorce. God says, I hate it. We say, well, yeah, but. God's love, therefore, it's okay. God said, if you divorce your spouse or your spouse divorce you, then it puts both of you in a condition of adultery. And adulterers will have no place in heaven. That's what the apostles clearly said. But we say, yes, but. You see, we don't believe in the authority of the Word of God. Our pastors don't believe in the authority of the Word of God. Not really. We believe that our authority exceeds or supersedes the authority of the Word of God, don't we? So when we think that our teenagers are rebellious, 
No, no, they're just following us. They're following our rebellion. And now they're confused. What should we believe? My parents are hypocrites. My grandparents were hypocrites. They said they believed the Bible from cover to cover to cover to, but you'd never know it by what they do. How they conduct their marriages or not. So compromise has completely taken over. As Pastor Greg Laurie said, if you're a fence sitter like that, if you're a compromiser, always making excuses for what you're not going to agree with in the Word of God, if you're trying to live in both worlds, then it's only a matter of time until you go down. And that's what's happening to the whole country. Now, that having been said, I told you I want to leave a positive word. This is the most positive thing that I have heard in a long time. Coming from Christianity Today, an Asbury professor says, we're witnessing a surprising work of God. I wish this were happening in my former alma mater. They desperately need it. It just seemed to happen gradually. After the benediction at the chapel meeting, the choir began to sing a final chorus. Then something began to happen that defies easy description. He said, students did not leave. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence, and they did not want to go. They stayed and continued to worship, and they still are there days later. He said, I teach theology across the street of Asbury Theological Seminary, and when I heard what was happening, I immediately decided to go and see what was going on in the chapel for myself. And when I arrived, I saw hundreds of students singing quietly, praising and praying, expressing repentance and contrition for sin and interceding for healing, wholeness, peace, and justice. Some were reading and reciting scriptures, others standing with arms raised, some lying face on their floors, on the floor, prostrate, others kneeling at the altar. They were worshiping. He said, I've not seen anything like this. But this is what we've been praying for, isn't it? And it has to start with a move of the Holy Spirit to grip our minds and our hearts, to help us to realize how far we have fallen from the word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. You see, if we really want to see revival in America, if we really want to see our nation restored, if we really want to see us fulfill the fullness of our God-given responsibilities, our God-delegated responsibilities as a covenant nation, then this is what has to happen. Forget memorials to the Word of God. Let's live the Word of God. Forget about all the history about the Word of God. Let's be the ones who are living the Word of God in our time. Let's restore the authority of God and His Word. One word, one day, one choice at a time. Let's get serious Let's study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, not dividing it in order to please an ever-vacillating culture. 
Will we worship Christ or culture? It's time to decide. Jesus is the living word. And he gave us his word. Will we trust it or not? Will we trust him or not? Do we really want to know what God's will is? This is the will of God. That you keep his commandments. This is the love of God. That you keep his commandments. And they're not grievous, he said. What is it about this we don't understand? Oh, we understand it all too well. But we've just rejected it. We've rejected the authority of God and his word every bit as much as the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day rejected him as the living word. Did you hear that? Mm. Unfortunately, it's true. Now, I urge you to encourage yourself in reading the book, Renewing the Soul of America, which will help to capture a renewed vision and spirit for our country, for yourself. Renewing the soul of America, one person at a time, beginning with you. That's why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it. They saw it as a genuine book of hope. Real hope, not political hope. There's no hope there. The only hope is in Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When we do that, the other decisions in our life, including our politics, will begin to change. Until then, we're just playing a game. I hope this has been helpful. I hope. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Don't don't delay. We need to get the message out more broadly. But in order to do that, we've got to have vast new resources coming in from listeners. We do not have commercial support. They would cut us off in a minute if we had it. The book, Renewing the Soul of America, $15 on our website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. God bless. Be a blessing. Let's pray for our country. But friends, it's more for ourselves. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 